You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Time once again for the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks again for being here. We have another fun one for you today. And a big thank you for those of you that reached out uh, a couple episodes ago. I think I asked for some suggestions on things you want to hear as we move through this. Uh, Maybe some old games that we've played already on the classics, that kind of thing. Feel free to keep reaching out, MarinersPod at Mariners.com. Meanwhile, on this episode, since we are running through the 2000 playoff run and the 2001 playoff run kind of back-to-back, we thought we'd talk to, well, legendary Seattle broadcaster Mike Gastineau. Gasman's going to join us as we reminisce a little bit about those runs in 2000 and 2001 and get his thoughts on those runs and some funny stories along the way as well. So he's fantastic, the Gasman. So, Gas, we've been listening to 2000, 2001, these playoff series the last few days. And when you think about those teams from Mariners era, what kind of leaps out? What do you think about right away? You know, for, for 2000, what, what comes to mind is the first full season at Safeco Field. 99 was such a weird year because, hmm. you know, they, they, they weren't a great team and they didn't make the playoffs. And, and yet they moved into this beautiful new ballpark that everybody was so excited about. So it, it – it still felt pretty special. And you get into 2000, and my, the first memory I have of that year is in May when they, uh, when uh, Ricky Henderson got released by the Mets, oh, yeah. and they signed him to a free agent deal. And th- the best thing when the Mariners got a new player in the Lou Pinella era was you knew he was going to play the first night. Lou, Lou was notorious for that, like, get him in there, let's see what this guy's got. And it was a Friday night, so and and you know it was the ballpark was still so new that it felt I, I think like almost every game was sold out. I mean there was a buzz in the park every night, uh, and I I, I I think they were playing Tampa Bay, and Buner singles in the eighth inning, and the M's are down by a run, and as soon as he singles, there's just a buzz in the stands like this has got to be it, right? Here comes Ricky as a pinch runner, and I mean the place went nuts. It was so much fun. And he he's uh, he, he takes his lead. And we're all you know, everybody's like, God, oh, this could be fun. Let's see if he steals. And instead, Stan Javier hits the first pitch for a double into center field, and Ricky just comes screaming around the base paths and scores it. You, you know, I mean, he ended up you know doing some things for him that year, and, and and it was certainly fun having him. But just that that debut, the next night he led off and hit a home run, which was you know his career long specialty. So I, I think of the 2000 team, and then the other thing, and I I, I guess I I did these out of order, but is you know Mike Cameron and and you know the the idea of uh, of his debut is that 2000 or 2001 I'm thinking I think that was 2000, yeah, 2000 right yeah yeah you know his it wasn't his debut but it was like the fourth or fifth game it was that Friday or Saturday night against the Yankees at Safeco Field and he made that incredible catch out at the wall in center field and you know to to give Mariner fans their props nobody expected this guy to fill Ken Griffey's shoes you, you know you couldn't. But 
they, right there, you're like, hey, you know what? This is going to be okay. He's, he's going to be all right. And, and you know, look at that. And he smiles a lot, and he's having a great time, and he's, he's electric. And, and, and it, you know, so, so those two things really kind of jump out at me. And then the other thing about 2000 is, you know, 98, really going back to 95. 95 was so magical. In the 96, they were, they were great, but they kind of sputtered a little bit in the summer, and then they made a big run in September but didn't make the playoffs. 97, they make the playoffs, but they were out of it real quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got beat by the O's. It was just, just like lightning fast they're out of the playoffs. 98, Junior has an MVP year, but they're not very good. 99, new ballpark, but overall just, you know, they don't have the horses. So, you know, 2000 comes and, you know, there was not without some merit. There was some grumbling about, hey, what, you know, let's go. We have this talent. And, you know, they, they, uh, they, they had a lot of excitement with the ballpark and everything. It's like, let's start winning. And, and then they did start winning, and, and that summer of 2000 was really fun because here it was, the ballpark is is brand new, and, and they're, they're winning, and, and there's there's all this great talent. And, and somehow, and this was the big thing, somehow they have survived losing Junior. Yeah. You, you know, because, because it was reasonable to think, well, you know, come on, you take him out. It's this is, And they'd lost Randy the year before. You're like, okay, so you've lost this great pitcher who's headed for the Hall of Fame. Now you've lost this great center fielder who's headed for the Hall of Fame. And it doesn't really matter who you got back. Well, as it turns out, you ended up getting some more than decent pieces back. But that didn't matter. It's like, well, you're not going to be any good losing those guys. Come on. You, you, you don't lose that kind of count. And, and instead they were. And, and so many you know, decent guys and decent guys, good guys, you know, players that were good players, stepped up and, and got the job done for them. And that's what makes 2001 so ridiculous to me when I think about not only, you know, you lose Griffey, you lose Randy, you lose A-Rod the year before. I mean, Hall of Fame-type talent all out the door, yet 116 wins, it it doesn't make any sense how that happened. Really, it's the most remarkable thing, I, I think. You know, I mean, there's different, different ways to use the word remarkable. It's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen, to think that you could – Lose Randy Johnson in ninety after the ninety eight season or in the middle of lose Junior after the ninety nine season and neither one of those went well. You, you know, I mean, Junior was unhappy and wanted out. Randy was unhappy and wanted out, and then lose a Rod in you know the messiest of all the divorces. <laughs> right. and, and and now you're like, oh, I mean, can you imagine sitting there in in you know in Peoria in March of one saying, hey, you know, guess what? They're going to win one hundred sixteen games. You know, and and. Everybody knew that there was some talent there, and that you know they're going to be okay. And they they were coming off of a playoff appearance, they were coming off of an ALCS appearance. But you're thinking, you know, they can't keep losing this incredible talent and stay good. And and they didn't stay good. They got better. It was it was a miracle. You know, I am so glad you mentioned the Ricky Henderson game. I just had. I did not tell you to bring this up. I, I swear. I just had this conversation uh, with someone recently about you know my favorite games that don't include like you know no hitters or playoffs or anything like that and that Ricky Henderson game was one of my all-time favorites I was there that night as well and I don't know I guess it's one of those that you had to be there to experience but just the way Ricky was received you know here it's Ricky Henderson Hall of Famer in a Mariners uniform and the way he scored the run standing up even though it was close play and I remember him sitting in the dugout and the camera on on his face and the big screen. And he even seemed surprised that the place was just going <laughs> wild for him after yeah. he scored the run. And it was a fun back-and-forth game. It's just one of those games, if you were at, 
you, you definitely remember, and I'm glad you brought it up because it's funny. We played that game uh, a couple weeks ago on the air, and somebody asked me, why'd you play that game? And I went through the whole thing, and they're like, okay, I understand it. Yeah, it, it, if, if you were there, it, because, you know, any any sports city, it, you know, across the across all the sports, you're used to seeing teams pick up guys at the end of their career. You know, we saw it here. You know, we saw Franco Harris with the Seahawks, <laughs> yes. saw Patrick Ewing with the Sonics, <laughs> yes. and it's it, and there's a sadness to it. It's like, ah, oh, God, you know, this guy is. I mean, it's not even a shadow of. Well, Ricky comes in and he is a shadow of his former self. He's more than that. He, you know, he, his greatest days were behind him, but he was he was going to be able to, you you saw right away right well he's going to be able to contribute you know they're going to they're going to find ways to use this guy and and it just it was so much fun to think you know here was a guy who you know another team had given up on we bring him in and and you know that was the other part of it is we had all these guys that seemed to want to get out and mm. it wasn't like Ricky was dying to come to Seattle he was going to go wherever he could go but it was fun to see a guy come in and immediately contribute and 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 he was you know he was a character and and he I mean, I've all you know. People have debated forever how important speed is in the game, and I, I don't know. I, I don't have the statistical matrix in front of me to ascertain how good's how important speed is. I just know it's really fun when you're in the stands, when you're watching the yeah. game. It's fun to see guys who are fast on the base pads, and I don't care what the stats say. I don't care what the what the stat heads say, and I don't. I'm not trying to dismiss them. I'm just saying. It's really fun when Ricky Henderson comes into a game and you're like, he's going to steal second. Oh, no, he's going to score from first on a double. I mean, the, 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 those kind of things are cool. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's funny. You rattled off, you know, the 95 team, 97, 2000, 2001. And despite the fact it's not a large span, but there's not a lot of common de- denominators between all those teams. But Lou Pinella was one of those. What are your memories of Lou in Seattle? Well, I mean, I, I just I, I I loved covering him. I, I never covered the Mariner beat, as it were. I was a talk show host, so I wasn't down there all the time. But I knew Lou, and he knew who I was. And I, I just I, I don't know that I ever saw a leader who I respected more. Mm. Uh, just just the way he handled himself. He had that great combination of a fiery temper, a great sense of humor. He could cool down quick. You, you know, the best example of that was when he was with the Reds, and he and Dibble get into that huge fight in the clubhouse. <laughs> and the next night, he goes out to pull Dibble from the game and fake sucker punches him. I mean, Lou had a sense of humor, and the players knew it. You know, I, had, I had a player tell me once that the, the key to Lou's success was that he had no uh, no hesitation at chewing you out about anything. Mm-hmm. He would lay into you as a player, let you have it. And then the next day, they said he almost always would make a point of coming by and just saying hello. So nothing lingered. Like, hey, you know, I'm still mad. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think what you did was a, but, but it's a new day, and let's move on. And I think in baseball that's so important because you're playing every single day. And I, I just thought, you know, he just was so good at, 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 you know, we throw the word around, but, I mean, you're the manager. You're managing all these guys and all their egos and all these games and all these situations. And, you know, the 2001 season, uh, something I remember about that real clear was being in Peoria. And, you know, Mark McLemore was coming off of a decent year in 2000. He had played second base. He was the starting second baseman for most of the year. And he had done a fine job. And there was no reason to think he should be replaced. And they get Brett Boone. And nobody knows Boone is sitting on the year he's going to have. 
But nevertheless, they've got Boone, and they're like, well, Boone can play second, and Macklemore can play a lot of positions, so Boone's going to play second. And the, the, the first 10 days or so of spring training, they, they didn't do anything. Well, it, it was about, I don't know, I said ninth or 10th day. And, and they had started playing games. And um, Lou had Macklemore in his office. And I'll never forget this, because I, I, I almost walked into a buzzsaw. <laughs> You know, Lou's office was always open down there, and you could go in and ask him questions. Well, I, I've got a question for him, and I go walking into his office, and you never saw a person turn on a dime faster than I did, because I walk in his office, and he's sitting there with Macklemore. And I don't know what they're talking about, but whatever it is, they don't want me. <laughs> so I, I turn and, and immediately walk out, and somebody closes the door behind me, and, and, and uh, he's telling Macklemore, we're going to have Boone be his second baseman. And Macklemore did not take it well. Yeah was not happy, had every right to not be happy. And Lou said to him, so Mark, you, you're going to play. You're going to play as much as you did last year. You're just going to have to play different positions. But I pledge to you, I'm going to get you in the lineup, you know, five days a week. You're going to get, you're going to get your plate appearances. You're going to get a chance to, to get your numbers. And Macklemore came out of that meeting, and he, he, was, he was like a cartoon character. He, you could just see steam pouring off his head. And I remember a young reporter walked up to ask him. We are all like, oh, God, watch this. And this guy <laughs> walked up, hey, you got to And Macklemore just blew up. He ripped the poor kid's head off. And um, if he had raised a big stink about it, they would have just released him, I'm sure. But he, th- I, you know, I, he thought about it. And I never talked to Mark specifically about this, but it was pretty clear he thought about it and decided to trust Lou and I don't know that that could have wrecked the whole team. I don't think it would have. But him thinking about it and deciding, all right, I'm going to give this a chance. Lou says it'll work, it'll work. And Macklemore, you go back and look at the year he had. I mean, the 2001 team, they won 116 games for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is they had the best bench of any team, certainly in Mariner history. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you had guys who were switch hitters. You had guys who could play a lot of different positions. You had guys who were willing to play a lot of different positions. And most guys, even the greatest utility players, will tell you, they're not wild about having to come to the park each night not knowing where they're going to play. It's hard. And that was a big moment for that team, I thought, that Macklemore chose to accept it, to understand it. And like I said, I, I can't say, well, if he, if he had raised a big stink, they never would have won. Well, they probably just would have gotten rid of him. But thank goodness they didn't because he was a huge contributor. And he became a contributor because he trusted Lou when Lou said, you're going to play. And then Lou delivered. He, play, he played uh, 12, I think he had 12 fewer appearances than the year before. You know, not, not that big a deal. It, that, that to me was a big part of that team. That's amazing. You know, it's funny. I was you were so right about that. I, I was just listening to it was the first game from the 2001 season, and Dave was doing his pregame interview with Lou, which is great. I mean, the Dave and Lou stuff is so much fun to to listen back right. to. And right. He asked Lou about Ichiro and the expectations, and it, mm-hmm. it's easy to look at now that Ichiro, you know, has turned in a Hall of Fame career, but. There was a lot of uncertainty at that time about exactly what kind of player he would be, and it's really interesting to listen back and hear Lou's answer to that effect, saying he didn't really know 100% the kind of player that he had at that point. I, I always say, it, it's like two things come to mind there. I, I always thought in retrospect, well, three things, I guess. He was right, you know, hey, let's not go crazy about what this guy's going to do. I think that Lou had seen what had happened in spring and decided, hey, let's let's release the pressure valve a bit. Let's let's not, you know, I'm going to go ahead and lower my expectations. 
So, you know, in, in case this guy can't handle it, which as it turns out, he could. But I, I think that was it. And then the other thing was that I remember the next year talking to Lou in the spring, and I said, well, heck, you know, a year ago, you 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 weren't sure Ichiro was going to make it. And he goes, now hang on, hang on a minute. He just he just I, I said I thought he hit two seventy five. Some of you guys act like I didn't think he was going to make the roster. And it, it was just beautiful. But but I thought it was again kind of crafty on his part that that he was making sure of managing everyone's expectations. You know, it's, if this guy comes out and hits two seventy and steals twenty five bags and plays decent right field, that's a pretty good year. You know, again, none of us knew what we were about to see. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, I, I was thinking about these two years, too, 2000, 2001, such great years going to the playoffs, ending the same way. And, you know, you kind of look when you're in a city, I guess you look at things more from that city's perspective. But looking back at those Yankee teams that they ran into at the time, I mean, those are some all-time, in my opinion anyway, all-time great New York teams. It's kind of unfortunate how that lined up. Yeah, it, it's, you know, there's so many, there's parallels. You know, everybody's talking about this, uh, the new uh, uh, series about Michael Jordan on ESPN. Yes, you know, the exactly. Sonics were at, their, were at their greatest, and they ran into the greatest you know, of all those Bulls teams, yeah. you know, the one that won 72 games. And, and it is with the Mariners. You know, you look at those Yankee teams, I mean, you know, you go back to, uh, uh, you know, the play down in Oakland uh, uh, that mm. Jeter makes, the incredible, incredible heads-up play that he makes. That is it, is it Jason Gian, I think it's Jason Giambi that they get out at the plate because he doesn't slide and he's not expecting a relay. And You know, if, if the A's win that, maybe they win the series. I don't think there's any question the M's beat the A's in the ALCS. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? But um, – and, and – it, it, both of those years, you're right. I mean, the Yankees were just so loaded, and 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 the M's in both of the years. You, you know, you, the, the fun thing to speculate is, you know, let's say Randy doesn't want to leave. Mm. Let's yeah. say that that just doesn't happen. That he ends up like, you know what, I like it here, and I'm I'm going to be. And you've got 2001 caliber Randy Johnson or 2000 caliber Randy Johnson on your team, and he's happy. Now you don't have the guys they got for him, which was you know what Halama and 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 Gannon Garcia, you know, mm -hmm. n n n huge pieces to what they did. But how does that play out then if if Randy's still here and you've got that horse that you can throw out there? And, you know, the Mariners the Mariners had a, a, a very good pitching staff, and I mean I, Jamie Moyer's career is remarkable to me what what he did uh over the course of his career but but they just they didn't have the depth i mean didn't abbott is it, is it oh one when abbott's throwing a no hitter in the fifth inning and they have to take him out because he walked like 412 <laughs> guys i mean <laughs> and i love paul he, he was right. boy you talk about a guy who got every ounce of his yeah. ability and particularly that year. But, I mean, th that's, that's kind of them in a nutshell. They're trying to win a game with a guy who's got a no-hitter through five, but he's walked so many guys, his pitch count's so high, they've got to take him out of a playoff game. And it, 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 um, they, they needed, it would have been nice to play a normal team instead of that great Yankee team. Yeah, that's right. It did remind you saying that reminded me. Yeah, I remember the, the thing that was always striking about the 2001 team was how – if there was a lead in the seventh, it was ball game over between Nelson, mm -hmm. Nelson Rhodes and Sasaki. That was a, a fun fun three guys at the back end that seemingly put every single game away. 
the, the the bullpen was was so good, and I mean, and again, and, and as, you know, you start to, you see that, and you start to see, you know, what's what's that like to have that for three or four years? The way again, like the Yankees did, yeah. it felt like they always had those games that were that were over, and then there, you know, the incredible two out so what thing that they they just became to believe that they came to believe that you almost wanted to start the inning with two outs so you could get your <laughs> rally started. I mean, they were they were so incredibly clutch and. You know, here they are. They're in this new ballpark, and yeah, you know, what, what they draw that your 3.4 yeah, million fans. I mean, yeah. that's that's unbelievable. It just every night was like a rock concert, and and they just kept winning, and and then you know then you throw in you know the 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 other end of the spectrum, which is the most one of the most dramatic losses in their history, the huge lead that they blow in Cleveland in August, and then 9/11 happens. So culturally, you get this. Mm this touchstone that you know that, that changes you know literally changes everything and uh, and and they're kind of in the middle of it and they're the first sports team when they come back to clinch something and the way they chose to celebrate and you know at first you couldn't even bring this up without sounding incredibly insensitive but enough years have passed i think that you can talk and go well geez you know it, 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 it's funny because the default thing is, well, that's that's why the Yankees won it all that year. They were playing for it. Well, no, they didn't actually. Arizona won it, you know. But but you certainly wonder about the M's and the momentum and the daily thing. And, and, you know, what did that do to them? Every team had to go through it, and there was much more to worry about than baseball. But that's certainly a factor in, in what they had going that year. And, and uh, I, I mean, I give them credit. I, I give Lou credit. You know, they went to New York, and they went down to ground zero. And, you know, they 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 were Americans at that point more than they were Mariners, and they're they're putting their arms around the whole thing like everybody was. But it uh, it definitely that's all a, a part of the story, part of the impact. Well, Gas, this has been fun. It's been fun to reminisce. Let's let's do it again down the road. Thanks again for your time. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I, I I love talking about this stuff, and I, I just can't wait till we're talking about it. I was talking to uh, uh, I'll call him a friend of ours today and we said you know at least if the mariners were playing we'd have something to be unhappy about you know <laughs> something just baseball day to day what's going on yeah. out there you know and 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 there's just uh right now there's uh you know you, you just gotta hope uh, that eventually we get on on top of this thing and we're able to get back to it because it uh it, it sure is fun to have those to, to not only have the great memories but any kind of baseball memory where you're sitting and chewing the fat about a game is uh it's time well spent thanks gary